Hey everyone, it is such a privilege to be with you today and to share a little bit more from our series in Romans that we've been going through. And there's been so much feedback from us, uh, to us as a team, just talking about uh, how much diving into this book has meant to so many people. And, and that's the bottom line is that scripture, God's word is what changes our lives. And so we can speak and we can tell stories and illustrations, but the bottom line is none of that will have any power or effectiveness if it doesn't flow out of his word. And so we've been loving diving into and getting to grips with this beautiful book in the Bible. Now, just as a way of introduction, I, if, if I asked the question of who you would love to spend a one hour conversation with living or dead, who would it be for you? What sort of people come to mind? It might be a famous person in history. Maybe it would be the Queen of England, maybe Alexander the Great, the Apostle Paul, who wrote much of scripture. Maybe it's a family member who you wanted to have a conversation with that you couldn't, or a family member who you'd just love to know more about their history if they were still living today. But more than likely, it would be someone who holds an important place in your life, someone that you look up to, someone that you admire, or maybe someone that you would want an answer from. But if it could just be a one-hour slot with anyone and you could choose one person, living or dead, I know that it would be someone of importance to you. And today, what we look at as we dive into Romans 4 is the Apostle Paul taking a quick biographical journey into the life of two heroes of faith, primarily Abraham, We'll look mainly at Abraham, but also a quick glance at King David. Now, Abraham was considered to be the father of the Jewish faith. He was the key figure that the Jewish people looked to as sort of an ultimate role model and leader in their history. There may have been many Jewish people who, if we had asked the question and said, who would you most like to spend an hour conversation with at the time of Paul's writing? A lot of them, I think, would have said, Abraham, I'd love to have just spent an hour with Abraham. I'd love to have just heard some of his heart. I I, I would love to have just really asked him questions about what it was like. What was it like hearing God's voice stepping out in faith? And so Abraham was immensely significant, both to the people of the day that Paul's writing to, particularly the Jewish people, but also to us. Look at why exactly he was so significant. Um, This comes out of Genesis 12. In scripture, look what it says here. Now the Lord said to Abram, and he was given the name Abraham from God, but the Lord said to Abraham, to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Interesting enough, just as I read this, it's so important for us to know that the reason why God brings any sense of growth in our lives. The reason why he brings any sense of um, inspiration or significance or status in our lives. Look what it says. I'll make your name great so that you'll be a blessing. God only ever um, does anything in our lives so that we can bless others. Just I thought I'd share that as we went through. I'll bless those who bless you and to him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went. He went just in faith. God said, do this. Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran or Haran. So God called 
Abraham to be the start, effectively, of his people on earth. He had, um, he had created Adam and Eve. They turned against God. It started this ripple effect of destruction and sin wreaking havoc. And then there was the flood. God said, great, the flood. There was Noah. Noah um, continued to, to follow God, but made mistakes as well. And in the end, we get down to Abram being born and God, in a sense, going, right, I want to start my people on earth, my special people on earth, as a result of Abram and his faithfulness. But although Abraham is a hero to many, including myself, he was a person just like us. Actually, in my personal daily readings, I've been doing the Bible in uh, one year, the, the one from Nikki Gumbel, Alpha. If none of you have done it, I recommend it. it uh, you can either do it in one year, you could do an express version, which is shorter. You could stretch it over two years. There's many different options, but it's a great way to get through Scripture. And interestingly enough, what I'm covering at the moment is Genesis, Psalms, and Matthew. And just going through the life of Abraham in Genesis, it's this beautiful blend of faith, uh, mess, of confusion, of trust, of it, it's just all mingled into one. Why do I say beautiful? Well, because Abraham, in spite of being this mighty man of faith, he made massive mistakes, but he truly wanted to follow God. And that's my heart for each of us, that we would be Abrahams in our generation. Imperfect people following a perfect God, wanting to see other imperfect people do the same. And so there's so much to learn from this man, imperfect as he was, sold out for God. And so in this Romans 4, this kind of biography that Paul quickly takes us on and his readers, I would love us to, to really go, what lessons can we learn from his life? How can we put them into practice in ours? So a few key lessons or points um, that we're going to look at. First point is that obedience does not make us right with God, but faith does. If you uh, are, have your book, Bibles with you, um, or um, you can, it's going to be on the screen. But in Romans 4, look what it says here at the beginning. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, according to who he was? For if Abraham was justified, we spoke about that before, which is uh, being um, our, our, our wrongdoing not being counted against us. If he was justified by works, the things he did, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So in these verses, we see that if Abraham was perfect and if he could stand right before God, this is the question Paul is um, asking everyone, if he could stand before God on the basis of his works and how well he did, if he was perfect in his works and how he lived, then he could boast or he could be proud because his obedience and the way that he followed God would be the basis for his relationship with God. But then Paul says, but he couldn't boast. We know he couldn't boast because we've even read some of the mess in his life. So we know that he couldn't stand before God on the basis of his works. You just have to look through just a little bit of his life to see that. And so there's no boasting. Uh, there's no basis at all for boasting when it comes to obeying God because we will never obey God perfectly. We'll never do the right works for God perfectly. And so Abraham and us can only be made right with God by believing. And that's why it says there, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, as being right before him. 
And, uh, and so uh, this is actually affirmed again in Genesis 15. So this is what Paul's writing, but look at Genesis 15. This is what it says. After these things, uh, Genesis 15 verse 1, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue to be childless. And the heirs, the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus, someone else in his homestead, but not his own. And Abraham said, Behold, you've given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars, if you're able to number them. Like, of course, you can't number them. Abraham, I'm God, and you are not. And then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Look at Abraham's response. He says, verse 6, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. So Abraham understood and Abraham lived going, it's my faith and belief in God that makes me right with him, not my works and what I do. So that's the first point for us to get. Obedience does not make us right with God, but faith does. Second point, good works can never replace God's grace. Good works can never replace God's grace. It says in verse 4, Now to the one who works, who does good works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteous apart from the works. This is what David says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. So Paul uses an everyday example, and this is what I love with Scripture, it's what I love with Jesus, is he brought people into truth by using everyday examples. And so that's what we want to be doing as well. And Paul was doing the exact same thing here. He says, listen, if we earned our relationship with God, it would just be a case of God paying for the work to be completed. We would work hard, and uh, if we could reach that standard and do what God wanted, he would just pay us for what we had done. But the gospel is different. We can't earn a wage for our rightness with God, in other words, for salvation, being saved by God, made right with God, because we could never complete the work required. At the end of every day, the employer would say, if you put this into an everyday example, at the end of every day, the employer would say, listen, I just need you to do this today. This is what I've set out for you today. And you would work and you'd do your best. And at the end of the day, you wouldn't have completed it. So the employer would say, um, this is what I set out for you. Um, I'm really sorry you didn't reach that standard, and so I can't pay you today. Try again tomorrow. Go home with nothing. Come back the next day, you'd set the same task. Listen, all I need you to do today is this. You'd try and do it, you wouldn't do it, and each time you would say, I'm sorry, I can't pay you because you just didn't do what I asked you to do. The process would go on again and again and again. And uh, you would say, well, I tried really hard. Um, I, I know I couldn't compete it today, but I'll try again tomorrow. And he would say, well, when you do, then I can pay you. But of course, you'd never be able to. You'd repeat, you'd repeat, you'd repeat. And that is why we believe instead of trying harder, because we realize, as it's saying there in Scripture, that it's impossible. Abraham realized that. As a Christ follower, we realize that we will never become perfect, no matter how hard we try. We're never going to reach that standard ever. And so we believe, we trust in him, because we know we can't trust in ourselves. And King David 
believed exactly the same as Abraham did. And he also would have been a hero to the Jewish people. You know, he slayed Goliath. He was a great king, uh, king of Judah. He did incredible exploits. He was also a mess and also got involved in many things he shouldn't have got involved in. But the Jewish people would have also known David as a hero. And so Paul is using both Abraham's example. He didn't try to work his way into heaven. David also didn't. It's why David said there at the end that, you know, blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count as sin. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. I.e., I don't try and work for these deeds to be taken away. They're forgiven. I believe and God forgives. David had every right to think that works may make him right before God. But he knew that they didn't. That's not how he felt. And so this, this great picture here of good works can never replace God's grace. Paul's saying, Abraham believed this. David believed this. You need to believe this as well. Next point. External actions demonstrate internal faith. External actions demonstrate internal faith. Verse 9. Is this blessing then only for the... So he's saying if you could be blessed... Abraham was blessed, David was blessed, just by God's grace. He says, is this blessing then only for the circumcised? The Jewish people were circumcised at that time, or also for everyone, which we've been sharing the last two weeks. Is it for the whole world? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised, who not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had been before he was circumcised. Now that's lots of different words. We'll shrink it down for us to understand it. Paul is saying that Abraham was considered right with God on the basis of his faith before he was circumcised. Now circumcision, we've shared this a few different times in the past, but circumcision was an external sign that the Jewish people were different to everyone else. They were asked to be circumcised and God asked them so that externally, physically, people would know they are set apart by me. But what's so interesting is over here, um, Abraham was considered right before God before he was circumcised. The Jewish people often thought that circumcision had a way of sort of protecting you from eternal punishment. It was almost an external thing that kind of guaranteed you being right with God. Paul's saying, no, 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 no. It's not about this external thing. It's about an internal change. You see, God said that Abraham was righteous, Genesis 15, and he was right before God because of his belief. And it was only in Genesis 17, later on, that Abraham was circumcised as an external sign before God to show people that he was set apart. And uh, so God asked them to do this external thing to demonstrate something that had already happened, an internal reality. And this would be the same for us today with baptism. We share this often. We've got people wanting to get baptized coming up. Why do we get baptized? Getting baptized doesn't make us a Christ follower. But getting baptized demonstrates on the outside, what's happened to us on the inside. We've died to our old way of self. When we go under the water, we've died to an old way of life. We, 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 we go in a sense where we're our sin is buried down. We go into the depths of the earth. 
we, we died to our sin and then we're raised again to a new life in Christ. Just as Jesus was risen again, we're raised to a new life in Christ. And it's this amazing, powerful visual reminder of something that's already happened in our heart, of a decision we've already made to follow Jesus. And so baptism for us in many ways is the same principle that is being discussed here. What about another point? Two more. Faith unlocks a relationship with Christ. Faith unlocks a relationship with Christ. Verse 13, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, through what he did, but through the righteousness of faith, through what he believed. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be there, the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there's no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, the Jewish people, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. I want to key in on this promise that's, that's now been brought into the passage. The promise to Abraham um, of being made right with God. That was the promise. Abraham, if you believe, your sins won't be counted against you. You will be right with me. was a relationship with God on earth, but it was a promise of a relationship with God for all eternity. That's what we believe as Christ follows. When we die, it's not the end. We've got to be with Jesus forever. We do life forever in perfection. And so as we shared last week, faith is placing our trust in someone or something for a desired outcome. And so Abraham was placing his trust in God so that this promise of life now and for all eternity would come about. We each have that same opportunity as Abraham did through faith. He believed in the promise of Jesus who was to come. And we believe in Christ who has come. And the Jewish people who knew the way God wanted them to live were in a sense in an even worse place than anyone else. That's what Paul's getting across. He's saying, listen, if you guys want to rely on your works and what you do for God to accept you, well, God's laid it out and you are adherence to the law. You know the law. And so in a sense, you really are going to fall under God's punishment because you know it. Whereas people who don't and the Gentile people are just living not knowing the law. For them, in a sense, they, they don't fall under that because they don't even know. It's completely new to them. They just believe. And so he's saying, if you really want to rely on your works as Jewish people, man, that's tough. Because you know how to live and you know that you don't live that way. He's saying you as Jewish people should feel the weight more than anyone else that you won't make God's standard. And so God's wonderful grace should be greater to you and more special to you than ever before. That's why often people who have lived um, in a sense a life that has, um, hasn't ticked any of the boxes in society of being good. A life that's had lots of wreckage and lots of difficulty. In a sense, they find it so much easier to accept and receive God's grace because they just know they need it. There's nothing in their lives to, to sort of point to and say, hey, God, you should, should accept me because of this. And so it's in some ways, it's a special place to be when you can see the mess in your life and therefore God's grace becomes all the more wonderful. And then it says, oh, it says, your faith brings about the beautiful work of Christ in our lives. In his presence, he gives, and I love this here, he gives life to the dead and he calls into existence the things that do not exist. 
in God's presence as we trust in him. He brings life, eternal life and life now with him in spite of our sins. He makes us alive in himself and in things in our lives that are dead, he brings life to them. And then not only that, he brings existence to things that do not exist, i.e. he does the impossible. He makes happen what could never usually happen. He transforms our hearts from being dead in our sin to being alive in him. He brings us from addiction to freedom. He brings us from broken relationships to restored relationships. He brings us from impossible to possible, from nothing to creation. This is the power that Abraham trusted in. This is the power that you can trust in today. Faith unlocks a relationship with Christ. And as a result of that relationship comes power and it comes joy and it comes life. Last thing as we close. Faith is validated under trial. Faith is validated under trial. Look at this verse 18. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of his wife Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who were raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. I just think this is beautiful. Abraham trusted by faith in God's promises of producing him an heir, when in an earthly sense it was impossible. But this God who could raise the dead and bring into, into existence what was not, Abraham knew could do anything. And he believed it. A question that I've got for you today is what are you believing God for right now? What, are you, what promise do you feel he's put in your life? What are you trusting him for? What are you holding on to in your life right now? What impossible situation are you hoping will turn around? I want you to know you're in the same boat that Abraham was and you're trusting in the same God that Abraham trusted in and the same God who made a barren womb at a very old age bring life. That's the same God that you and I are trusting in. That verse 20, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew in his faith as he gave glory to God. Friends, we usually only know the reality of our faith under trial. Don't assess your relationship with God and your faith levels when things are going great. That's easy. When the world around us is going, well, everyone can be happy. doesn't matter if you're a Christ follower or not. Everyone can be happy when things are just going great. Successful, provision, no sickness. That, that's an easy way to, uh, to have faith. Anyone can have it then. Assess your faith levels and your relationship with Jesus when you're in a difficult situation. Because you see, when we face a situation that's hard or impossible, our response shows the level of our faith and trust in God. And so I don't want to go through difficult times. I don't want you to go through difficult times, but those difficult times do prove to us or show us the very reality of our faith. What do we trust in in tough times? Does our faith waver in tough times? I want us to raise our eyes afresh to the power 
and majesty of our great God. Nothing is impossible. And Abraham's faith, it says, they actually grew during the times of trial. It grows if we allow it. Depends if we'll allow God to grow our faith in times of difficulty. So keep honoring God for who he is. Your faith will grow. I'm going to pray into that in a short bit as well for us. But verse 23, right at the end, it's all about Christ. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and sins, raised for our justification, for us to be made right with God. He was raised from the dead. The payment for our sins was accepted. We can be made right with God by placing our trust in his finished work on the cross. And that is something to celebrate. So I'd love us to pray just for a little bit to invite the Holy Spirit to touch us and to challenge us and to strengthen us right now. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I want to thank you that you're here. I want to thank you that you're close. I want to thank you for the example that we see in Abraham and David. Imperfect people following a perfect God, wanting to see other imperfect people experience a perfect God. Father, I pray that you would help each of us to learn the lessons that we see in this passage, that we too would be people who believe in you. We wouldn't trust in our own strength and our own abilities, but that we would trust in you as Abraham did. I pray you'd raise our expectations for the fact that you are a God who brings into existence things that are not that you're a God who makes a way when things look impossible, that you're a God who restores when there's brokenness, you're a God who heals when there's disease, you're a God who works in the hardest of situations. Thank you for the example we saw of how you came through for Abraham, and I pray for people right now. I don't know what you're going through, but there's one thing I know is that we serve a miracle-working God. And so I pray for whatever anyone's struggling with right now, that you would raise the expectation of just placing our trust in you for the impossible. For those of us under trial, under extreme trial, Lord Jesus, may we learn the lessons. May we dig deep. May we give glory to you. May we draw close to you, not far away from you. And I know the net result is we will see you do the impossible in our lives, not for ourselves, but so that others might see you. In your powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, What a privilege to be able to dive into God's word together in this nation where we're allowed to do that openly. Please keep praying for brothers and sisters of Christ around the world who uh, look at just search for Open Doors, um, the the organization, to to just see what other Christ followers are going through. And we want to pray. We want to support them in, in the best ways possible that we can. But I'm so grateful we get to spend this time together. We can watch it through a screen. We can we can watch it live. We can be part of God's church around the world. Pray uh, We pray as a team that you have a brilliant week ahead. We're so excited to see what God's doing in the midst of transition and, and change. Uh, he's building his church. And uh, he's the one who builds, not us. And so we're expectant to see what he has in store. Um, thanks so much. and Have an absolutely brilliant day.